Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to the show today. we got a great guest, Elijah Stanfield. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, Jeff. You're very, very welcome. For those of you who don't know, Elijah is the illustrator of the very popular, very good Tuttle Twins books. I've got I've got one of our favorites right here, Tuttle Twins and the Miraculous Pencil oh, Glare. It's a very shiny book. It's great. But uh, so Elijah does, there he is. He does all of the illustrations for these. And they're very, very fun books. But uh, Elijah, you, you do the illustrations. Connor Boyack, he does the writing. So how did you two get together to get this uh, Tuttle Twins thing off the ground? Hmm. Well, uh, we have a hard time figuring out when we first um, met. I, I think it's just started that I used to follow a an old forum um, that he was on. I saw his name there. And and then he started um, writing a blog and called Connor's Conundrums. <laughs> and I followed that for a while. And then he came out with a book about 11 years, 12 years ago called uh, Latter-day Liberty. It was a, it's a religious book. Mm-hmm. And I read that. <clears throat> and so I kind of started off being kind of like a fanboy of his um, a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> um, I was planning on going to Freedom Fest and I saw that he was looking for a roommate. Um, so I asked him if, um, if that spot was still available and we um, roomed together at Freedom Fest in 2000, I don't even remember anymore, it was 10 years ago, so 2012. <laughs> um, and yeah, and then I think it was later that year, um, I'd been working freelance as a, a video producer and animator for a couple of years. And I had done some uh, videos and animations for um, the Revolution Pack for Ron Paul's campaign. Oh, wow. Nice. And uh, so I kind of, I've always wanted to be an, a children's book illustrator. And uh, so I just pitched the idea out to Connor. I said, hey, have, have you ever thought about doing children's books? And he said he hadn't, but he'd think about it. And so he kind of just left me hanging for a few months while he made sure the business model would work, you know, and he, that's when he went on his uh, now legendary, uh, you know, <clears throat> escapade to try to figure out if there was a market for this, if there was any competition, and there wasn't a lot um, mm-hmm. of books out there that were teaching economics and political philosophy um, for kids. So he came back to me uh, three or four months later, and he said, hey, I'm ready to go, um, and here's my idea. So uh, we worked on it over the next uh, year. And came out with our first book um, based off of Fred Bastia, Frederick Bastia's The Law. <clears throat> and um, we thought that would just be kind of like a quick little like, yay, we made a children's book about the law. And it actually took off. And it's been slowly gaining momentum um, since. And in our and then in 2020 with the lockdowns, uh, everyone forced to go to homeschool. Um, <laughs> kind of was the perfect storm and shot us into the stratosphere. So. Nice. I know we've purchased some for the families that we donate to with our education program. So that's pretty exciting. It's neat that it was kind of you were the one who instigated uh, the whole Tuttle Twins thing. Well, the whole the whole children's book thing. Um, well, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I, I was kind of just like, I, I could tell from the, the moment that I heard him speak and the way he articulated and and uh, carried the message. I was like, this guy's going to be a rock star. So I wanted to jump on that that rocket as quick as I could. So <laughs> I see, I see. Nice. So 
as far as art, art style, I'm guessing the stuff that you did for the Ron Paul campaign was quite a bit different in style than the Tuttle Twins. Am I right? Yeah. <clears throat> uh, when I was a teenager, I, I drew comic books. So I was into the monsters and superheroes and muscles and all those things. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I got into animation, I kind of got into a, my, my bag of tricks that people hired me for was kind of cut out puppet um, animation. So it kind of looked like paper uh, animation <clears throat> um, done on a computer. But um, so that was a lot of the, the stuff um, that we I did for the revolution pack. Um, let's see. There was one in particular that was pretty popular. Um, it was called Plastic Man and it had it was about Mitt Romney and Rick Perry. And um, I don't know if you saw that one, but uh, you can see it on YouTube. Just kind of taking jabs at them. Um, <clears throat> and we did a few more like that. And then there was one called The, the, the Passion of Dr. Paul, I think, mm-hmm. about a, a, a situation that uh, Ron Paul was in when he was uh, a doctor and how he helped a man um, and his, his wife out. Um, but yeah, that, so the, the, the style that I, I made for the Teltons is, is something new, um, because it, I wanted something that was soft and classic looking, um, uh, and not, you know, superheroes and nothing too intense. I want to be really calm and, you know, mm-hmm. kid friendly. So I had to kind of create that style, um, from scratch. So, it took me a few books to kind of get up to speed on what that actually was going to be. So. Well, you had to practice, but you know, it looks good though. And going back, his art styles change over time, but it's not it's not a huge difference though. Going back to the first book and the newer ones, it's not like what who wrote who illustrated this? What the heck? Yeah, my 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 initial idea of the twins was going to be a little more cartoony, and then um, as we went along, I said this can't work kind of for the long term. Um, so I had to kind of change it about book three. I kind of had to, you know, tighten up what it was going to be. Cause at first we were just like, this is going to be one shot. And they're like, it, we'll, we'll do three. And they're like, well, we'll do eight. Now it's, now, now it's never ending. So I really kind of had to figure like, get it solid, but I, I think I'm almost there. Maybe, I don't know. <laughs> well, continually refining your craft. So that's yeah. Good. <clears throat> I know kids that, don't seem to mind. So <laughs> yeah, I know, uh, my kids. I like them a lot. One of um, my son, he likes factories and machines. So one of his favorites is uh, is their imaginary pencil factory. Yep, imagine it's going to be like. You know, he loves that one. All of the colors and he likes to imagine things like that too. And so I'm guessing your work with the Ron Paul campaign, a children's book set focusing on the ethics of liberty and voluntarism was not a a hard sell for you as far as work to do no um connor and i um philosophically are basically a a pair i i i I don't think i've ever had anything that we've um butted heads about or um had any uh, change of idea or different differences of idea as far as that we're pretty grounded in the same philosophy so Mm. How, what led you to that philosophy? Um, like almost everyone I meet uh, started off with that debate with Ron Paul, <clears throat> um, Rudy Giuliani moment, right? Mm. Or the Ron Paul moment. Um, I was actually listening the day after my wife was listening to talk radio. Um, and there's these two goobers. I forgot who they were. 
um, laughing about this RuPaul guy. And, uh, and they're like, this guy's ridiculous. He's an idiot. He's such a goof. And then they played a clip and it was Ron Paul telling Rudy Giuliani that the reason that they hate us is because we've been bombing them for 30 years. And then they started laughing about that. And it, like me and millions of other people, it just like shocked us like, oh, mm -hmm. right. It's something we like almost never heard of before. And so I, I looked into him and then I, I was driving by the mall and there was these guys that were waving Ron Paul signs around. This was in the, the, first, the first one. <clears throat> and um, I stopped at the stoplight, rolled down my window and grabbed one from my now dear friend, Dustin Dobson, that I, I didn't know him then, but now I know him very well. <clears throat> and um, re read all these things like, we can abolish the IRS and and all these things that were just like ridiculous to me. I was like, we can't abolish the IRS. Like who would build the roads? <laughs> right? mm, well, that's yeah. how our government runs. So, um, but <laughs> I, just, I just kept going with it. And just quickly, I realized that I had been fooled my whole life. You know, that these, like what, I, kind of like the scales falling off your eyes. This is how it is. So that I, I um, started getting into the constitution and all these things and then reading. And then I started getting into, um, the Mises Institute. And then I started realizing what this was really about. And it went, goes deeper than the constitution. It goes to the philosophical arguments and the, the truths that I think that, that, you know, the, the unalienable truths that we that are in the declaration of independence and how, <clears throat> what we have today or what we've ever had the complete opposite of what those truths are. How can all men be equal or how we, how can we all be created equal, but still have rulers? Um, <clears throat> how can uh, governments be instituted by the consent of the governed when it, there's no consent to be had? Uh, they're established to protect life, liberty, and property. And all they foundationally they do is threaten with theft um, um, slavery and violence and death, murder. I mean, that's all they can do. That's the only tools they have. So um, that just started getting me thinking, have we ever lived by those? Have we ever found the way to live by those truths? And so that's kind of um, the mission that I'm on is to figure out how we can maybe up our game a bit and figure out what the next level of humanity is. And was that kind of where the idea of a children's book came from trying to train the next generation or or was it that planned out and you just it just popped into your mind well the first the first book that i read um that was kind of along this line of thinking was frederick bastia's the law and it's the it um it's a great argument for natural rights <clears throat> um and that was given to me by my friend jim wolf who recently passed away um and when I read that, um, it just opened my, my eyes, my mind to what rights are, who I am, what my relationship to um, everything, personal responsibility, like it just kind of put me in, in the world. Um, and, uh, and it was really empowering. So I think that's a good foundational book for anyone to, to read. Um, where do our rights come from? Um, and what can we do with those and what can't we do with those those rights mm -hmm. so yeah hmm. interesting now <clears throat> you mentioned uh and we were talking before you mentioned 
that you and Connor are part of the same religion. And if you don't want to go here, that's fine. Uh, but I was just wondering if that uh, played into kind of the shared philosophy that you have as well. I think it must have. I think um, the Latter-day Saint religion has um, has some elements to its its gospel that really um, point in that direction of of individual responsibility and accountability, mm -hmm. and and I think that way that we've been brought up, both of us, um, made a, made an easy transition to understand these concepts and kind of connect with those. I think. And that was one more thing. Uh, I know that Connor. He lives in Utah, I think, and he has the Liber Libertas Institute, and he does some some work there as well. I know that uh, the LDS Church is really strong in Utah. I'm guessing you live in Utah too, or no? I actually live in Washington State, unfortunately. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Turning it back to the uh, illustration, you said you had done some other illustration and animation before you jumped into the Tuttle Twins. Is there like, did you hit it big with anything? Is there anything that we would recognize besides the Ron Paul, of course, you worked on that? Um, I don't think so. There, it's a lot of my work was internal corporate work, um, <clears throat> for just big corporations, trainings, um, internal marketing, um, mm -hmm. communications, and stuff like that. So nice. Uh, for anyone else, for anyone who's watching, who might be looking for an illustrator are you looking for like open to other projects now or are you just consumed with the Tuttle Twins uh, and all of that Tuttle Twins is is blocked out for the next few years at least and then uh we might build on after that we're this history series is um doing really well mm -hmm. we've just finished volume one I'm about halfway through volume two um hopefully that will be done by a July release next year nice. um <clears throat> And if that's good, then we'll go to a volume three and volume four. I think we could possibly go up to probably just volume five and end it with that. Um, it's, it's trickier with the history books because eventually you get to the present and you can't make any more. Right. I think I I don't know I don't know how much I'm supposed to share, but um. <clears throat> oh, don't tell us. Tell us. <laughs> these first two these first two volumes they go up to the Constitution, so we're talking about mm -hmm. uh, the birth of the Republic, and. Um, and then from there to the Civil War, volume two, volume three and four, <clears throat> we'll talk about the birth of a nation. We, there's a transition in our in our government at that point, um, mm -hmm. a flip really. And then um, from there, we became an empire. Um, so that would probably go volume five. Oh. It'd be the progressive era and probably up to maybe past World War II or something like that. Okay, nice. I'm liking the sound of this. I'm curious about the the birth of the Republic one, because there's a couple different ways you can look at it. There's the the classic way, you know, oh, you know, they came together and they made this great constitution that protects our liberties. But then there's the view that Murray Rothbard took in the fifth volume of Conceived in Liberty, where it was actually a coup to get rid of the Articles of Confederation and consolidate the federal power uh -huh. over the states and destroy some of those liberties, which is a controversial view. Uh -huh. 
is is Connor? Do you know if he's going to kind of go a middle way between those, or pick one or the other? Or? Well, so far, what we've done is we did base a lot of our um, research on Murray Rothbard's findings, and I think Murray Rothbard, with his history, he kind of did a because we have this mythological um, history presented before us. He wanted to give a counter to that, so he kind of went a little bit to the extreme and said, you know, mm. these guys were, you know these guys weren't great and these guys were actually great you know he kind of like play, plays, the, he plays the counter narrative mm-hmm. narrative and um, which is really interesting because you know the counter narrative has a lot of truth to it um so what in our books we're doing is we're just presenting both of the narratives kind of which both contain i think truth in the mm-hmm. middle and then the uh the truth i believe is somewhere in the nuances <clears throat> um between them nice it, and, uh, so yeah we'll present both nice it seems like the <clears throat> the format that they're written in could make that particularly good because they're kind of like at least the first volume it goes like the Tuttle twins themselves are learning the history from other people so that could blend itself now one person presents one view another person the other view and the Tuttle twins are like well what do we what do we decide what's true yeah and you can i mean with the the coup theory um you can hear both sides and they're both actually pretty compelling. Um, and I think someone who came around to actually understanding that there was a balance, one of the coup members. Madison? No. Yeah, James Madison. My okay, God. there we go. <laughs> that guy. Yeah. They all. All right, yeah. So They help. They all help. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think the, the real nationalists that did not, that wanted to actually um, destroy the Confederation <clears throat> was... Um, um, Alexander Hamilton. Hamilton mm-hmm. and, uh, and his uh, and and Morris. Um, oh, yeah. he was the governor of New York or something. No, no, different. Uh, diff- mm-hmm. This is. <clears throat> I'm already failing on these interviews. Um, so, <laughs> well, it's it's kind of an obscure topic, so that's fine. Yeah, so let, let me just start over. I think <laughs> that. Um, James Madison actually was someone that did want the balance. Um, uh, Alexander Hamilton, I believe, did not want the balance. He he was um, he wanted a national, a strong national government. He wanted to uh, dissolve the the Confederacy, <clears throat> and um, and then there was uh, you know Sam Adams, um, Samuel Adams, and uh, Thomas Jefferson. Those radical liberals who thought that this bill of rights would kind of seal the deal and say, all right, you guys can have your empire stuff as long as you, we, you make sure that these things are protected. And as soon as they got the okay and everyone ratified that thing, then the, uh, the federalists um, went on their nationalist ways and pushed for that really hard. And we never really, we've never really resolved that conflict um mm. that debate of um is this government of between power and liberty um where what what is it better to decentralize to protect our liberty or is it better to centralize to protect our liberty and james madison um actually gave a good argument that <clears throat> a, a larger group of people that have that come from different backgrounds to live together in a, in the same political system have to compromise and kind of have to come and find middle middle ground. And he thought that that would slow the effects of democracy gone wild, you know? 
And he, you know, there are some, um, some examples from history where, you know, smaller groups that have this strong dogma in Salem, uh, you know, the, the Puritans, um, anyone that was the minority in opinion was driven out um, <clears throat> or killed. Um, so when, so I think that actually is a pretty good argument. As we've gone through history, we can see that that didn't work either. So um, we can try the decentralized approach, which we never really got a chance to try. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. Interesting that that, trying to find that balance is ew, really tricky. And it's yeah, going... In doing this research, I've actually, th- I've actually think that the constitution as it was explained in the Federalist Papers and when people ratified it, <clears throat> I think would be a really great system. Um, the problem is, is how, what Murray Rothbard points out um, in Anatomy of the State is that, yeah, it's a good idea, but it's a monopoly. Therefore, it's not going to go the way that it's supposed to. Um, Lysander Spooner, you know, came to the same conclusion that, you know, this document either enabled the state to grow to this size or was powerless to, to, to stop it. So in either case, it's not working, you know. Um, so, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, but if we, if we could find a way to make that constitution stick with the bill of rights, I think it actually would be a good system, mm-hmm. but I, is it possible? I don't know. Yeah. That's, that's the question. <laughs> Not sure if, if giving it another try is the best solution or scrapping it all together, but not my decision, fortunately, yeah. above my pay grade, as they say, yeah. Are you not going to run for senator and try to save the world here? That's <laughs> uh, not in the not in the cards. No, Ugh, I would feel I would feel just kind of gross if I've decided to do that. Like I needed a shower. Hmm. I'm I'm glad there are some people who can step up to the plate and take that on, like um, Massey and Rand Paul, and um, of course Ron Paul. But I don't know if I don't think I can handle it. Yeah, anyone that anyone that's tried to participate in politics knows that it's a dirty game right off the bat. Um, <clears throat> you can't even run for a small position without selling a piece of your soul to the party, you know. So mm-hmm. it's a dirty game. Ugh. It's it seems to make everyone everyone except the people who win more angry <laughs> and upset about everything. Yeah, I remember. I don't know if you've ever read. The, the God of the Machine by Isabel Patterson. Uh-huh. But that one, that one is really good. <clears throat> it was, she was contemporary with uh, Rand, Ayn Rand, too, too many Rands. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she said, this was like back in the 50s, and she said that the rise of a dark cloud of hatred is caused by the omnipresence of political agencies. And that was in the 50s. <laughs> Things have gotten much yeah. worse since then. That's crazy. Mm. I think it's because people know, even if they don't realize or acknowledge it to themselves, that when it comes to politics, if they lose, there's going to be a gun to their head and someone's going to be forcing them to do things that they don't want to do. I think that's why people get so angry and supercharged about it, even if they don't come to that realization of why in the back of their minds. Politics by its, its nature is divisive. Um, you, people with, that come from different backgrounds, different belief systems, they only can live together 
um, in a system that promotes individual liberty. And if there's, if that's not there, then it's completely impossible to live peacefully with, uh, with anyone that's different than you. Mm -hmm. Because someone is going to be forced to do something they don't want to do. And that force implies not peaceful. Yeah. It's, um, it's like in the total twins and the golden rule. Uh-huh. Is that the one where they had Kefron? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, that one was pretty fun. They're all fun, but yeah. do you have a favorite of the Tuttle Twins books to read, or that was your favorite illustrating? Uh, it's hard. I I've always liked the Golden Rule with Ron Paul in it. Um, <clears throat> oh, Chief Ron. Ron. It's about Ron Paul's book, but there's a Chief Ron. I don't know right. if he's necessarily supposed to be Ron Paul himself. <laughs> um. But I, I do like that. I do think it's actually the key, the foundation of everything. <clears throat> and when people think about, I might get a little religious here, but when people think about the, the, uh, the, the golden rule, do unto others, the first part of that is people don't want to be harmed. You know, They do want to be helped. And I think that's why when, in the Bible, when it says that to first love God and then love your neighbor, the first one is that you have to um, be just, um, and then on top of that, then you can love your neighbor. Um, you can't be unjust to help your lover, love your neighbor. So the golden rule has to have those two parts. The first thing is don't commit um, uh, aggression against someone else, against their will. Uh, uh, and then the second part is then you can you're free to help them voluntarily through, through the correct means, you know, the ends don't justify the means type type of argument. So mm-hmm. that's why I like uh, the golden rule, but um, fate of the futures was really fun. That was a, a bold one. Um, education vacation is another mm-hmm. one that really stuck with me because I didn't have a good experience with my public schooling. <clears throat> and so I've tried my best to um, let my kids be free to explore their own interests and become who they're, they're meant to be. Fantastic. Uh, so that one's a powerful one to me. And um, and then this latest one that we just came out with, um uh the uh 12 rules boot camp. Oh yes, Peterson's um book. Mm-hmm. Um that's a, a message that I want to give to all um uh ki- kids and teens. Um it's a message of hope. It's like listen, you can you can actually take control of your life and and do great things. And I know that a lot of teens, especially uh, from the last few years, are kind of maybe feeling a little hopeless and lost. And and, um, no, just teenagers. Yeah, yeah, true. Adults too. But Mm. I always see these kids come out of high school, and they just kind of like are, or after graduating from college, they just are just shocked. Like I don't know what to do now, and um, Mm. and they're not. They haven't been empowered with the message that they can actually do great things. Right. Hmm. All good thoughts. My favorite, personally, I like the Tuttle Twins and the search for Atlas, because that one's based on Atlas Shrugged by Ayn Rand, and I didn't think anyone could turn that into a kid's book. <laughs> and yet, it's really good. Yeah, there, there's a few. Con- we don't include all the concepts, but wow, um, that it's, would be we, we basics do. A lot of these authors that we, you know, <clears throat> base our books off of or are inspired by their books. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't agree with everything. I don't agree with everything that Murray Rothbard has ever said. 
And, um, and I definitely don't agree with everything that Ayn Rand has said, but they're people worth that did good work and have, and uh, they deserve to be recognized and, and their, their ideas at least explored um, and thought through. So um, yeah. I'd agree. No one has, no one has all of the answers and that's part of why we all need to work together, present all of the different viewpoints we can and honestly look into them to find the way forward. Well, Elijah, thank you so much for coming on the show today, for talking to us about the Tuttle Twins books, about the message of liberty. Again, if any of you have not purchased these, you absolutely should for, they're not just for kids, I enjoy them too. Or if you know a homeschooling family, if you have kids of your own, we're going to drop our affiliate link so if you want to help out Elijah and Connor and someone who's going to read the books and us, you can do that. And that'd be great. Elijah, you have anything? No, I think we, we pretty much covered some good stuff. So. All right. Well, sounds fantastic. Thank you so much again. You have a great day. Thanks so much, Jeff.